All right, well, we are in our series, When Jesus Appears. And we're looking at the resurrection appearances of Jesus in that 40-day period between when he died and rose again and he ascended to heaven. Now, next week, we're going to wrap the series up. We're going to look at uh, what the Bible records as the final appearance as Jesus ascends into heaven. But today, we're going to look at the final appearance recorded in the Gospels. We're going to look in Matthew at what so many of us are very familiar with, the Great Commission, one of Jesus' uh, final instructions to the apostles and to disciples everywhere, even today. Now, I want to start off with a happy Mother's Day to uh, all the moms, everyone who uh, functions as a mom in the life of somebody. Uh, I know, especially for those of you who might, you have little ones at home, man, this wisdom that I've held on to, the days are long and the years are short. And wow, some days can be really long. And you kind of feel like sometimes, I know, where like, I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm not sure I'm making a difference. And I want to tell you today, you are making a difference. Uh, one of the things I, I've struggled with for, for many years is, is investing in the lives of somebody and, and then not ever really seeing the fruit of it. They go on uh, and they live their life, they move somewhere else. And then years later, I'd find out uh, that Jesus had gotten a hold of their life and something had happened. And it would be so encouraging to me because we need to know that we make a difference, right? Like you pour in and you try and you're not sure it's really making an impact. I just want to encourage you, you're making a difference. Now I think about that, the ripple effect. We've all seen, you take a, a rock, you throw it into the water, and what does it do? Like, it makes these ripples that go out from that place. Or, or I think about uh, dominoes. Have you ever seen those people who set up like hundreds or even thousands of dominoes, and they make some kind of intricate design, and, and like you tip the first domino, and it like knocks all these other dominoes uh, after it, and like you get an aerial view, and like they've made like, you know, Disney World or something. It's like, how in the world... Did you do that? But one thing that's even more miraculous to me is so cool is not that you can knock one domino down and then knock hundreds uh, down after it, but did you know that a single domino, like you can take a little one, it can knock down another domino that's one and a half times bigger than that one. So think about it. If you knock, you knock that domino down and it knocks down one and a half times bigger than that, and then the next one's going to knock down a domino one and a half times bigger than that one, and then the next one that's bigger than that one, I mean, you play that out, and you can take a tiny little domino and eventually make a massive impact, right? And I actually found a video uh, from Dr. Stephen Morris of the University of Toronto. I thought maybe we could get a visual of what this would look like. So take a look at the screen. Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. Isn't that cool? I mean, you take a tiny little domino and then 29 later, you can knock down a domino the size of the Empire State Building. All right, but here's what is so cool about that to me. Is that first little domino is only responsible for the next one. 
Right, if that little tiny domino, or let's talk our lives, if I'm concerned about what happens down the line or trying to make some huge, massive change in the world, then I might not be faithful to just the first step that God is calling me to take that I need to remember, all of us need to remember, I just need to be faithful to where I'm at and the next thing I'm supposed to do. And here's what I, I know about this truth is that when you and I are willing to live with that kind of faith, that, that God is responsible for the results, I'm responsible for obedience, and I live with that focus on just the next thing that I'm supposed to do, there's a ripple effect that can happen. And it's not just multiplying, but it's exponential in its impact. And when we're willing to do that, here's what I know that will happen. As we live faithfully for Jesus, we're going to see a growth and the number of people who follow Jesus around us. But even more than that, we're going to see a growth in the people who are following Jesus. That not only will there be more people who follow Jesus, but that's not really the only goal. The goal is that people look more like Jesus. And we're going to see our kids and our family members and our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers are going to grow in their likeness to Jesus, which brings God glory. That's the call upon us. That's what Jesus calls us to. And we're going to explore that together, exactly what that looks like. Because I know the passage we're looking at is so very familiar to so many of us. And the danger of that is we can just kind of wash over it and not let it speak to us. So we're going to try to really dive in of what is it that Jesus is inviting us into. And, and I just want to take one second and just share my heart on this for a second. It is amazing to me that so many of us can kind of do this halfway. And here's why I struggle with this. If Jesus really is who he says he is, if he's really the God of the universe, the creator of all things, as the book of Colossians tells us, if he really holds everything together, if he really is the only way to the Father, our only way to eternal life, if he really is King of kings and Lord of lords, then how in the world could we do it halfway? And I look at the call of Jesus throughout the Gospels and what we're going to look at today, and I don't see any escape clause. I don't see any excuses of you can kind of sort of kind of do it if you feel like it in the moment. The call of Jesus is to go all in. It's to die to self. And he requires everything. And that's exactly what he calls us to in this passage we're going to look at. As Lord, you have everything, all of me, for all of you. So if you don't get anything else today, let's wrestle with that reality. That he calls all of us for all of him. Lord, there's nothing held back. Because you really are the King of kings and Lord of lords. So let's take a look. What is it that he tells us? All right, Matthew 28. Verses 16 through 20. Some of you could, you might even have this memorized and could quote it. But let's take a look. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that, the realness of that. Like they've walked with Jesus. They've seen him risen from the dead and yet some of them still doubt. They're still struggling with that. 
And Jesus doesn't push them away. He still pulls them in. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, where does the authority lie? This is not difficult. This is the Sunday school answer. This is your moment. Where does the authority lie? Jesus, right? All authority lies with Jesus. Which means we can stop worrying about whether we're smart enough, capable enough, have enough experience, if we know the right words to say or the right things to do. All authority does not lie with you. It does not lie with me. All authority lies with Jesus. So we can let Jesus be responsible for the results and say, Lord, what is it you're calling me to do? And I will do it. And he gives us instructions based on his authority. All authority lies with Jesus. So what I'm calling you to do is to go make disciples, baptize them in the name of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey my way. I think about when Jesus came to, to the crowds and he said, come to me, all of you who are weak and weary, take my yoke Upon you, a rabbi's yoke was their understanding of what it looked like to follow God. And he's inviting us to step into the Jesus way. Come follow after me. Take my yoke upon you. And as followers of Jesus, our instructions are to go and invite other people into the way of Jesus. Take Jesus' yoke upon you. This is what it looks like to follow after God. And he is inviting us to faithfully step into that, that role, that journey, that path of leading others to him. And he gives us those three elements of this, of what we are to focus on. So let's take a look. What's the first one? We're supposed to tell others about Jesus. Now there's a trap that many American Christians fall into. We're really... We're, we're trying to be nice, we're trying to be kind, we're trying to be gentle with other people, but really at the root of it is we're just afraid to say the name Jesus to somebody else. And so we do things, we're like, well, I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna go help somebody, I'm gonna pray for somebody, I'm just gonna love somebody, I'm gonna be kind to somebody. Yes, do all those things, right? Go, go do service projects. Go help somebody who's in need. Uh, go help a charitable organization. Yes, absolutely. Pray for people. Like that should be the first thing we do. Uh, be kind to people. Be gentle to people. But at some way, uh, place along the path, we are supposed to say the name of Jesus. And we miss that so often in our culture. We're like, well, you just have to live it. Yes, live it. But sometimes you got to say it. That the reason that I'm living it is because there's a God who loves me, who sent his son to die for me. He sent his son to die for you and his name is Jesus and he wants to do something in your life. And so much of the time we have a fear of saying that. And so he says the first step is to go tell people about me. You can't make a disciple of somebody that you don't point to. All right, what was the point of discipleship? It wasn't to just be nice 
It, it wasn't just to be kind to people. It was, we have a person who has the truth and we want to follow after him and we want to live our lives like him. And so if we're going to make disciples of Jesus, we've got to tell people about Jesus. So where do we start? Just start with your own story. That here in my life, I was this way, and now I'm this way. And the thing that led me to this point was, his, was Jesus, the Son of God, who died for me, who pursued me. And so know your story. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to know what he did. We need to know why it matters and how it's impacted our life. And maybe one of the things that we can do, if you're a Jesus follower, is write your story down. Write it out. Get familiar with it. Think about it, pray about it, reflect on it. If you had one minute, if you had five minutes, if you had 10 minutes to share who Jesus is based on what he's done in your life, could you do it? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you know it? Be prepared to share what Jesus has done in your life and focusing in on the grace and the power and the work of God for you. That it's not really about you anyway, it's about Jesus who saves so know your story, but also be a good listener and say, what is it that Jesus can do for you? And one of the things that I love to do is I love to just start with asking questions about somebody's life, about what they're going through, about their experiences. Because what I know about every person on planet Earth is that Jesus shows up before we see him. And the point is for not, some, not for somebody to find Jesus as if he's playing hide and go seek. The point is to see where Jesus is already in your life. And so help people to see that, that Jesus is pursuing you. He's already there. He's already working. He's already after you. And be a good listener and, and don't override somebody else's story with your story. It's about them and what Jesus wants to do in their life. But at some point, we've got to say the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. But we don't stop there. He gives us more instructions. And the next thing that we're supposed to do is to celebrate baptism with people who want to follow Jesus. If you read through the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, you see this progression of an invitation and then investigation. And then as somebody trust in Jesus, an initiation. Invitation, investigation, initiation. Where somebody's invited. I, I love the, the first words out of one of the first disciples before they ever really knew who Jesus was. Come and see. Just come and see. Come and check it out. Right. How many of you would say, I'm a Jesus follower and, and Get Well Church has become a place where I call home? Just a show of hands. Okay. If that's you... Or if you're online and watching, you can say that. I'm a Jesus follower and get what church is my home. We need to begin with an invitation. Just invite somebody to come and see. See that the Lord is good, that Jesus is at work in your life, that he has something to do for you and in you. And I want to challenge us. So it's May 14th. So we've got about seven months left of the year. Every single one of us who just raised our hand, let's give an invitation. Let's bring somebody to come and see before the end of 2023. And that's not really a big ask. I'm just talking about just one person for all of us. Bring somebody to come and see. And then y'all be a good host, right? Show up, meet them, take them to lunch, reflect on it, love on them. 
But we need to begin with that invitation and then we'll see an investigation as somebody begins to investigate, is this Jesus for real? Is he want to do something in my life? And we can walk with them and help them and support them. And then somewhere along the way, somebody's going to say yes to Jesus. And when we do that, if you've ever been here for a baptism Sunday, you know my heart on this, we need to celebrate with the kingdom of heaven that somebody's life is being transformed by the power of God. And so we celebrate and we give thanks and we, we honor them and we, we help them to take the next step as they follow Jesus. And we understand that they're being initiated into the body of Christ. That's what baptism is. It's our public yes to Jesus and to the body and we're brought into the, the body of Christ, which means we step into the mission. So all of us who have experienced baptism, guess what? You're part of the mission. Whether we want to be part of the mission or we don't want to be a part of the mission, whether you feel equipped to be a part of the mission or not, you're part of the mission. To make Jesus known, to build his kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no excuses, there's no escape clause, we are in it. Which means we're all needed. Now let me preface this. God doesn't need you, but God loves you so much that he brings you in. Guess what? I need you and we need each other to live out the mission. And so we support each other and we encourage each other. We help each other find our place in it. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know my three favorite questions and I lift them up again. What breaks your heart? What do you have to work with? What are the needs around you? Find the intersection of those three things and go all out for it and you'll find where your place in the mission is because we've been initiated into the movement, into the body, into the mission of God. And then the third thing he lifts up is that we're supposed to teach others to stay in step with Jesus. That the point is not just to get somebody into heaven, but to get Christ into us. That we become Christ-like, that we're Christians, little Christ in the world. And that we are being transformed by the power of God, by his love, by his spirit, by his grace. Jesus living in us. And so we guide and we support people of, let me help you learn what it looks like to follow after Jesus. Not just to know about him, but to know him and be changed by him. And we'll see this journey happen where somebody is pursuing Jesus because he's pursued them. And then there's a relational change and then an actual change. Now, what do I mean by this? There's an, a real relationship change between us and God the moment someone says yes to Jesus. I trust you. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need you. God, you're my only hope. Would you live in me? There's, in that moment, all that God sees in you is the blood of Jesus, the power and the truth and the purity of his son Jesus is bestowed on you. Your relationship is forever changed. But we don't stop there. We can actually move toward an actual change where the Holy Spirit lives in us and we get transformed. And you and I get to be a part of that in the lives of people. That God in his love and mercy wants to use you and use me to help people be transformed. What an amazing gift that is. And so what would it look like for us to find somebody to support and encourage and walk with? 
do we have that for us? Because if we're going to walk with somebody else in the name of Jesus, that means we got to be walking with Jesus too. Do we have somebody who's supporting and encouraging and guiding us? And if you don't have those relationships, we need to pray that God will bring those relationships to us. And listen, when he shows up, we need to take a step of faith and take the opportunities that God gives. All right, so here's what we do. We tell people about Jesus. We're not just nice. We don't just do, you know, good things for people. We say the name of Jesus. When they are ready to be all in, we celebrate with them their baptism, their initiation. We bring them into the body of Christ. And then we are to teach and guide people to follow the way of Jesus as Christians. So it begs the question, when and where do we do this? Well, Jesus makes it real clear in verse 19. Let's take a look. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It is amazing to me the amount of discussion and disagreement around this tiny little word, go, from biblical scholars. Now, there's two primary schools of thought on this. Some people would say that that word is an imperative. It's an instruction, a command. You need to actually intentionally take a step, start moving, and go. This is what we would think of like the missionary that goes to Africa. Uh, like we like to put them in that camp. They're, they went. They, they're the people who go. Or somebody who goes into full-time ministry. That's a person who will go. The other school of thought here is that that word means as you are going. So everywhere you go, we're to make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities, all people, everywhere, all the time. Well, if you really look at the Greek, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but just take my word for it. Go study it. Check it out. It really means both. It means there's an intentional action to take a step and go. But it's not something you accomplish and you're done. It's every single day, everywhere you go, as you're going, we're to make disciples. Now, here's what that means for us. It means we need a mind shift. We got to start thinking differently. Because for many of us, what we do is we put the Jesus part of our life in kind of a, a silo, in, in a, a category. And there are moments where I step into the Jesus category and I live for him. And then there's other moments where I take a break from that. I do something for me or, or I do something, you know, fun or I get some rest and I'm stepping out of that Jesus category for that moment. Or I go to work and I'm stepping out of that Jesus category and we ask things like, well, how do I fit Jesus into my life? I'm so busy. When we say things like that, it should be a realization for us that we put Jesus in a category. We got to change the way we think. He's not a category. He's everything. And every moment of our lives belongs to God. Every moment of our lives can be a missional moment. Whether it's fun, work, rest, or whatever. As you are going, take intentional action to make Jesus known in word and deed. So for us to begin to think of, of it that way, we need to start thinking and asking the question, well, what has God given me that I'm not leveraging for the kingdom of God? So let's think about our life as a whole. I'm going to put a picture up here. Now imagine this pie chart represents the whole of your life. Everything about your life. 
and all, everything about your life, though we're tempted to think it's ours, we need to understand it's really God's. And God has given it to us for a season, but he's expecting a reward. And there is a, a reward coming for us. He's expecting an investment that we give it to him. And there's a reward coming, but there's also a cost. We, we need to go to that eyes wide open. There's a cost to following Jesus. Right, lay down your life if you'll find it. But there's a reward in heaven. And what I've discovered is there's a reward as we share life together in the body of Christ. But we need to understand all these things belong to God. I need to give it back to him because it's his anyway. To leverage to make Jesus known. So let's talk about some of the elements of our life. All right, let's just get the hard one out of the way. What about money? Your money, my money, does not belong to me. It's not yours, it's not mine, it's God's. And the biblical instruction for us is to let the tithe, the 10%, be a benchmark. Now, I've gotten some pushback on this, and I'll say a couple of things. My heart is not for you to trust me or the leadership of this church, but to trust God. And whatever that looks like for you with your money, I'm not asking for your money. Getwell's not asking for your money. I'm asking you to trust God with your money and whatever that looks like for you. But the biblical benchmark is a tithe, and I've had some people push back on that, and they're like, well, that's Old Testament. Go check out Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus affirms that yes, you should give the tithe, and then also do the greater things. And think about the Sermon on the Mount. I look at the Sermon on the Mount, and, and people say, well, Jesus did something different. He did do something different, but as you look through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, to me, he seems to raise the bar, not lower it. And we just need to wrestle with that and, and let, the, let the Holy Spirit speak. But am I leveraging money, the tithes and the offerings, to bless other people, to make Jesus known in the world? And yes, I, I, we should give to universities and we should give to all those charitable organizations. But what I'm talking about is Jesus calls us to give our money to make Jesus known. All right. What about the next one here? What about our relationships? Are we leveraging our relationships to make Jesus known in the world? And every single relationship that we have should be doing one of two things or maybe both at the same time. It should be building us up or it should be building somebody else up. And so please hear me on this. If you're in relationships that are not building you up or building somebody else up, if you're in relationships where you've got to consume something to be comfortable around those people, to, to be able to hang out with them, if you're in relationships where you're trying to change who you are to be able to hang out with them, you're either missing the point of relationships or you're in the wrong relationship with the wrong people. Now, please hear that from a pastoral heart. Well, I want the very best for you. And that may be the, the hardest decision you ever have to make is to say yes to some different relationships and no to the wrong ones. But every relationship we have, because it belongs to God and it's to leverage for the kingdom and to make Jesus known, should be building us up or building somebody else up. And if you're not finding that, you're either looking for the wrong thing in relationships or you got the wrong people. What about this next one? What, what about our talent? I love this one because I love that, that our talents are usually things that we enjoy 
you know, sports or art or, or, you know, whatever it might be. And what I love about it is that Jesus invites us to use that to make him known and to leverage it for his kingdom. And what I love about it is this is one of the most fun ways that we can serve Jesus. Because usually our talents are things that we really like to do. We enjoy them. That's why we work at them. And what would it look like if we took those talents and we said, I'm going to use it to try to create opportunities to share Jesus with somebody. Or what about the next in our spiritual gifts? What if we understood what our spiritual gifts are? That these are things that are given to us by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up the church. Building up the body. And you can go and check out Romans uh, 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians, where they list these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Do you know it? If you don't, let's have a conversation. Let's find out those spiritual gifts and start living in them. And see the joy that we begin to experience as we live into those. Well, what about this next one for us, our time? One of the most limited resources and creation. Can't make more of it. Once it's gone, it's gone. But you know what we can do? Is we can prioritize what we do with it. And I've discovered this amazing thing. See, sometimes we forget that while the world is a physical world, the, the world is also a spiritual world and God presides over it all. I've discovered in my life, and sometimes I have to rediscover, is that when I prioritize God with the use of my time, he has a way of multiplying it. And when I don't, it has a way of being diminished. I want to encourage us to, to make God a priority with our time. He's first. He's most. He is center of it. And he can multiply. And it'll be amazing the things that we can get done in a day when we prioritize God, Jesus, with our time. And then finally, what about our opportunities? What opportunities do we have to make Jesus known? Every role that you play, moms, that's an opportunity. Every responsibility we have, that's an opportunity. Every platform you're given, it's an opportunity. So wherever you might be, moms, dads, grandparents, brothers, sisters, coworkers, bosses, employees, students, wherever you find yourself, it can be an opportunity to make Jesus known. And here's the thing about this, is we tend to think of all of these things as things that belong to us. And biblically, they just don't. These things don't belong to us. We've been trusted with them. And what I've learned about God is he's not gonna bang down the door and demand that you give back to him what belongs to him. He is gentle, he is kind, he's loving, he's invitational. He's not demanding, he's invitational. Would you trust me with what I've placed in your hands? And I'm not asking you to focus on results because all authority doesn't lie with you. I'm just asking you to be faithful and obedient and trust me. How can I give each one of these things back into the hands of God, knowing it's like that domino that I just have to be focused on this next little step and down the road, God's gonna move mountains because of me. 
And I think in my life, you can think of your life of the people who've impacted me, the people who led me to Jesus, who helped me to follow him, had their own stories. And it's part of a bigger story where somebody led them to Jesus. Somebody gave them guidance. And we get to be a part of this massive, incredible movement. Because all authority lies with Jesus. And what would it look like to give this back to him? So I want to, I want to close out. I want to ask you three questions to wrestle with. Here's the first one. Is that what roles or relationships do I have that I can begin to leverage for the kingdom of God? Are you a parent? How are you leveraging that? Are you a student? How are you leveraging that? Do you have a, a workplace? How are you leveraging that? Are you on the ball field or in the dance studio? How are you leveraging that? How are we using everything we have, those roles and relationships for the name of Jesus? Here's the second question is what do I have that I need to start using for this great commission to tell and baptize and teach? And here's the third question maybe we don't think about so often is what do I need right now to better do this? And that's where I wanna to land today. What is it you need to be able to step more fully into the call that Jesus has on you? Is it encouragement? Y'all, I could tell you stories. You know, I get discouraged. I get down. I get anxious. It gets hard. And there's been moments where I've said, Lord, I just need some encouragement right now. And somebody will show up or they'll call or they'll text and they'll say, these words verbatim. I just feel like I need to encourage you. I just have to look up and like, thank you, God. Do you need encouragement? Do you need some direction? Pray for God to bring somebody into your life that can offer direction. Pray for the Holy Spirit to speak clearly. For the words of, of Scripture to pop off the page. Do you need resources? Pray for God to bring the resources that you need. Do you need strength? Do you need power? Do you need endurance? Pray. Whatever it is that you are needing to be able to step forward, let's stop making it an excuse and stop making it a request of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to provide. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the God who provides, and He will do it. Are we willing? Are we ready to step more fully into this? Y'all, I don't want to play church. I don't have time for that, neither do you. We're going to stand at the end of time before our Savior and account for every single thing we do. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we will be rewarded for our faithfulness. Sometimes we forget that. We're going to be rewarded forever for our faithful acts of obedience. And I just so want to stand before Jesus and I want to hear these words from him. Well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant, you gave it all because you knew who I am. So if you'll stand, as we do each week, these prayer rails are open and available for you. If you wanna come pray about this or pray about anything, you can come and do that. Bring somebody with you. If you want one of the pastors to pray for you, just wave us on over. We'd love to do that. But wrestling with this question, what is it you need today to take that next step to go all in to make Jesus known? Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you and we celebrate who you are. You are life itself. You are salvation. You are truth. You are power. 
You are everything, God. Forgive us for our apathy, our lukewarm, our putting you in a category, for our ignorance, for our stubbornness and pride. Father, please forgive us, but also renew us. Give us a passion and a clarity for how we can be a part of what you're doing. It changes lives for now and for eternity. And Father, I know that what I'm asking, it can only be done by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, move amongst us. Stir our hearts. Ignite a passion to take the whole of our life and realize it belongs to you. And not worry about the, the final steps, God, but just, God, give us the next step and give us faith to take that step, knowing the results belong with you. And God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we pray it in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Amen.